Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times with your hosts, Matthew Werner and Dr. Kathy Greenberg, here to help you stare down adversity, adapt, improvise, and overcome the challenges you are facing in your own life. Now, here are Dr. Kathy and Captain Matthew. Welcome, everybody. It is Friday, and we are so excited to be here with you today. We're going to have a fabulous show. It's going to move fast, so put on your seatbelt. We're going to have an amazing guest, Brigadier General Terry L. Bullard. And we'll let Terry tell me how he wants his name pronounced, but we're just going to call him Terry. And I just want to give you all um, a warm welcome to Friday before we get into his bio. And welcome, Matthew, to today's show. Hey, happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the beautiful month of December. Um, as we're getting this nice uh, cold wave down here in Florida, it actually feels kind of nice, but I know some uh, some uh, of y'all in the, in the northern parts of the states are getting a little bit of a cold blast, so hopefully everybody's warm and still uh, recovering from the great Thanksgiving that I'm sure everybody had. So uh, we're excited for the show, and um Let's, let's get it going. I thought it was funny that you sent out a, a, a text blast saying everybody should turn their scales back 10 pounds. <laughs> I thought, usually, you know, remember everybody, turn your clock forward or turn your clock back. And Matthew sends out a message, remember to turn your scale back 10 pounds. And I was like, yep, that, that's about right. And it's taken me a week to recover from Thanksgiving. I don't know how everybody else is doing. But we're grateful to be here with you. So let me give you a little background here on our guest today. Uh, we have an amazing, an amazing guest. And we found each other serendipitously on LinkedIn, as some of us do. And I was so impressed uh, with uh, Terry's background, given he was a brigadier general in the U.S. Air Force, and not only in the U.S. Air Force, but a part of OSI, and we'll get into what OSI is. For most of you who are in the military, you know that's a, um, an operational unit uh, within the military, and we'll talk more about that. Let me just give you a couple of insights here on this amazing man. Uh, he entered the Air Force in 1993 uh, as a distinguished graduate, and he came into the Air Force ROTC uh, through the Citadel. And if you've ever been down there, amazing, amazing academy. I always love to visit there. It's a very colorful campus. He was um, then assessed into the OSI as a special agent, and he served as a special agent, an operations officer uh, for many different areas, including forensic science, uh, joint staff officer, uh, two-time detachment commander in overseas locations uh, in the Indo-Pacific Command and European Command, and uh, squadron commander, and so much that I cannot go into. So please go into the host page and read his bio. One of the things I want to focus on today is really what we're going to talk about. 
And essentially, it is what I like to call the sound of freedom. And the reason is because when Matthew and I live in Virginia Beach, we live very close to one of the largest Air Force bases uh, near the, uh, uh, the Navy base there where Matthew was. And essentially, every day, these very noisy jets would fly over the house. And I would have to literally put my fingers in my ear. And Matthew would look at me and he'd say, Babe, that's the sound of freedom. And it has become part of my soul now every time I hear one of our nation's Air Force jets to feel that sound of freedom. And I know today's guest is going to endear himself to all of you for some of the missions that he's done, which we'll get into in a minute. So welcome, Brigadier General. Terriel, and make sure I'm saying your last name correctly. Is it Bullard? So, uh, I was, so I was going to say, Kat, you got the only name as a retiree that really matters anymore. Perfect. And that's Terry. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I, am, I am enjoying dropping all titles, all formalities, and uh, just going back to the name that my, you know, my parents and my wife have known me at, you know, for 30 years and, uh, and changing. So, um, and, and I get, I get Bullard, I get Ballard, I get Ballard, I answer to all of them. So we're, we're in good shape. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's Bullard, but I will get, you know, uh, but, but Terry is just fine. If, you know, it's funny these days, you know, I'm a Greenberg with an E. I always get asked, is it Kathy with a C or a K? Is it Greenberg with a U or an E? Matthew always gets, uh, you know, Matt or Matt with his last name. Is it Warner, W-E-R-N-E-R, like the trucking company, or Warner, like, you know, the the uh, theatrical, right, entertainment, W-A-R-N-E-R. Right. So we all have our little name issues, but thanks for, uh, exactly. for jumping in there. Yeah, so yeah. the question uh, that we like to start off with, uh, and I'll let Matthew jump in here. Uh, well, once, once you get, I want to be the PI here. I'll go. I'll go for it. It hasn't been explained yet. <laughs> and, and Terry, if you don't mind, just kind of embellishing on what OSI is, because you know using acronyms, which is the um, the uh, sorry, it's the Office of Special Investigations, right? Absolutely. So uh, the the Air Force and and now the Department of the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, because as the United States Space Force emerged, um, we took on responsibility for supporting them as well. And so whenever I'm talking to folks about, uh, you know, OSI, which I love to do because, you know, having spent, you know, 30 years with the organization, uh, you know, I, I love it, you know, loved it from day one and loved it the, you know, the day they, uh, they, they told me it was, it was time to go and couldn't play anymore. Um, but I, you know, I, uh, I explain it to folks as really the FBI of the Department of the Air Force. So the FBI supporting uh, the United States Air Force and United States Space Force. Um, we do that through a mix of active duty military special agents and also civilian special agents who have the same authorities, um, same recognition as an FBI agent, Secret Service agent, DEA agent. Uh, but really our job is to work through the challenges of uh, major, uh, really, for lack of a better term, felony level 
criminal investigations, uh, fraud investigations, and we do the counterintelligence uh, investigations and operations support uh, to the Air Force. Um, uh, when I left the command, uh, sitting at about 3,900 personnel uh, located at over 300 units on six continents. So the sun really never set on the command or the work that it was doing. Uh, and, of course, uh, you know, pretty broad um, portfolio. Uh, so a lot of exposure to a lot of different things over the years. Wow, that's quite a bit. I tell you, it's, uh, and I appreciate you going into more information there, General. Um, you know, and with such a uh, expansive career, I know that you have a few um, uh Experiences that uh, that you'd like to share as far as um, you know strategies for turbulent times, but also just you know giving back to the next generations that are coming up in the ranks on you know not necessarily what to expect because you don't know what to expect you know what's going to happen the next minute or next hour or next day, but also just understand um, you know on what actually does go on. Uh, within the ranks, and also, more importantly, how to overcome those experiences. Absolutely. And, and yeah, Matt, Harry, so, uh, we... you know... Oh, go ahead. Yes, yes, ma'am. No, please go ahead. No, I was just going to say, before we jump into those experiences, uh, we always just like to uh, give our audience an opportunity to get to know who you are besides your professional background, if you could just tell us a little bit about, you know, who influenced how you got to be a man of service and, a, you know, somebody who has dedicated their life, uh, as Matthew and many who are listening to us today have done as well. So if we could just get to know you a little bit through that lens uh, before we jump into some of these very powerful stories, uh, that would be real helpful. Absolutely, Kat. And, and so, so I'll tell you, uh, this could probably be a show in and of itself. Um, I mean, you, you think about just how many people, you know, touch your lives in, in different ways that it's, it's hard to distill down, but I can, I can certainly, you know, give you a few. Um, and that is, you know, my first, uh, you know, or my parents. Um, and, and I say that in an all inclusive term. So, uh, my parents uh, divorced when I was uh, very young, uh, but uh, remarried on both sides to two incredibly wonderful people. Uh, and I will tell you, uh, those uh, four parental figures in my life sacrificed so much, um, you know, always helped me, whether it was academics, athletics, um, you know, other extracurricular activities always encouraged me, always pushed me forward and, and really, quite frankly, sacrificed so much for me. Uh, and so I was blessed in that area to just have uh, two wonderful households uh, with incredible stepbrothers uh, who were fantastic. Um, probably the next biggest uh, influencer I had um, uh, was my junior ROTC instructor at Laney High School. Uh, in North Carolina, um, and that was uh, Chief Master Sergeant Delbert Johnson. Uh, and I will tell you, Chief Johnson, uh, the day I met him, I was terrified of him, as you are with Chief Master Sergeants. Um, I'm sure Matt can uh, <laughs> can can relate to that. Uh, but I will tell you, uh, he really excited me about a life of service, um, you, you know, of serving others, 
uh, of serving in the Air Force. Um, and, and so, you know, not, not many speeches on my career do I go through and not talk about, you know, Chief Johnson taking, you know, a really, uh, insecure, uh, guy, uh, from a very young point, um, and, and really, uh, you know, pushing him outside of his comfort zone and, and showing him just how, how big and, uh, fantastic the world could be. Um, Another great mentor uh, was uh, Colonel Harvey Dick, who was the assistant commandant at the Citadel at the time. Uh, another guy that everybody was, uh, I would say, lovingly terrified of, uh, because of course he had the discipline portfolio for the command. Uh, but just this, you know, uh, colorful, bigger than life character, uh, but really took an individual interest in me, um, you know, and, and again at a formative time. Uh, to you know, show me what was possible and and what I could do, uh, and to really challenge my own perspectives of that. Uh, and then I'd be in real trouble uh, if I didn't shout out the real heroes in my 30-year career, which was my wife and my kids. Um, uh, just absolutely, you know, put up with so much, uh, you know, remote assignments, deployments, temporary duty trips, and and then on top of that, just the long hours. Uh, that come with uh, federal law enforcement work, intelligence community work, uh, because of course the uh, you know the folks that you are working to hold accountable or to protect the force from get a vote in those hours and when things happen. Uh, but they always kept the home fires burning uh, and, and just did a tremendous job. And then finally, a group of superior officers um, and enlisted members. Uh, peers that I grew up with in the command who always pushed, challenged me, gave me kind of that measuring stick to hold myself uh, against and, um, you know, to really be able to look to see, um, uh, you know, what I could do, what was in the realm of possible, and also showing me what right looked like through their actions. Um, and then, you know, in, in some of those bosses that were then, of course, those advocates that we all have to have. Uh, to tell people you're ready for the challenge at the next level. Um, and I couldn't be more thankful for all of those individuals, and I owe them a lot. Well, you know, that's a great testimony of all the people that have influenced you, and as you said, that's probably a show in and of itself. We're going to quickly move on here with a, you know, salute to all those wonderful people who have made you who you are and contributed to our our, our global safety and, and the love of those who serve us and talk a little bit about uh, a time, Terry, when uh, you had planned as well as you could for yourself and your team to actually go into, uh, you know, a situation that you believed you were prepared for, but uh, for whatever reason, there was no preparing for what you faced once you got there. And as you know, this is the heart of our show. It got into turbulent times. And if you could just start off with, um, you know, kind of the array of things that you have run into uh, over your career with all these amazing human beings around the world, um, including, uh, and I'm just going to, you know, add this, people can go and read it in your bio, but 3,900 total force airmen assigned to over 300 locations in six countries at major Air Force bases and Space Force bases. Give us a couple of these 
insights you had, you didn't expect to have to have to really face in this lifetime. Absolutely. So, no, and and Kat, uh, you know, I think um, you know, so many folks, wh- whether coming from a military background or a law enforcement background, can you know identify and and tell you know just as compelling stories, but. Um, you know, for me, uh, I think one of the really first, you know, formative cases that, you know, um, re- really challenged me in, in being exposed to, uh, I guess, the, the uh, unfortunately, the depth uh, that, that people can reach, um, you know, in, 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 in hurting other people. Uh, was at my first duty station, first assignment, um, you know, and I had... I had worked a few, you know, violent crime cases, uh, you know, as the, as the new person coming in, the new agent in the office. Uh, but really, uh, the, the, the eye opener for me was a, uh, was a case at my first duty station, uh, where sadly we had a very young, um, uh, five year old, uh, child, uh, abducted, uh, from base housing and, and taken off base and, and assaulted. Um, and I mean, we were just absolutely blessed to have a rapid response to that event, uh, from our base security forces team, uh, who got the call out. Um, I was the on-call OSI agent, uh, that day at the time, um, had agreed to cover for uh, a good friend of mine. Um, and so that really kicked off, uh, a Saturday morning that then ran for weeks. Uh, but again, we were very blessed, uh, Terry, I'm going to ask you to pause right there. We're at that time in our program where we're going to take a quick break. We are very um, obviously compelled here to stay tuned to your story, and I hope you all will come right back. You're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes, to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X.com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. 
The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Strategies for Turbulent Times. You got uh, Cat and I here, and we're... Uh... Just getting into today's show with our special guest, uh, retired uh, Brigadier General Terry Ballard of the Air Force, who has uh, experienced quite an extensive career in, uh, with the Office of Special uh, Investigations. Um, and as he's sharing a story on uh, when during his career it really stood out to him, you know, learning a hard lesson, but also how it made a better version of himself. So welcome back, Terry. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, and thank you for the opportunity to to share this. And so I know be, before the break, um, uh, you know, I, I had kind of set the stage with um, uh, as the as the lead agent. You know, at this point, very early in my career, uh, mid nineties, um, uh, second lieutenant slash, you know, OSI special agent. Uh, you know, responded to the the kidnapping uh, of this uh, five year old victim. Um, uh, and again, uh, we were just so blessed by, you know, our security forces members on base who responded quickly, assessed the situation, put a call out and, and were able to actually locate, uh, the child in, uh, the custody uh, of this individual who, who took her, um, uh, you know, that the nature of uh, the assault was particularly, uh, brutal, um, and, you know, as far as being, you know, exposed to that at a very early point in my career, um, just a, you know, a big effect because you've got the, you've got the pressure of, uh, you know, complex crime scenes, the, uh, the place where the victim was, um, was abducted, of course, from, uh, from her home, uh, the place she was taken to, uh, in the little town outside of the base, um, where we were located, uh, and then, of course, the vehicle uh, that she was uh, ultimately found in uh, with the offender. Uh, you know, so you've got all of this going off at one time. You've got a, you know, a five-year-old victim that, you know, number one, needs care uh, and needs to be taken care of. But then also, you know, determining how do we, you know, how do we help her with a voice? How do we, you know, help her, um, you know, tell us what happened and, and where we got to? Um, and, and I will tell you, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was overwhelming, uh, for a young guy, but here again, this is where the team comes in, just a, a team of incredible professionals, um, uh, at my office who dropped everything that they were doing, um, it, you know, really rallied around, uh, what we needed to do, which was, you know, secure and work all of these scenes to, to grab, uh, the, the evidence that was needed, 
uh, my leadership that was helpful with um, uh, because, of course, this had high level interest within the Air Force and the ability to uh, kind of, I guess, create a bubble around myself and my team uh, to allow us to work the case and, and you know, not worry uh, about having to produce those updates. Um, and then I'll tell you, from a personal standpoint, seeing this for the first time, uh, you know, up close and personal, uh, my wife and I had uh, uh, had had our first child and were pregnant with our second child uh, at this point. Uh, and so, of course, it was everything that uh, I was seeing was was very, very personal. Um, and it was a heartbreaking case that impacted me as it did everyone in the office and, and everyone who became involved with it. But I'll tell you, through that process, through, you know, doing my first child forensic interview with this victim to, uh, you know, meeting with her and, of course, helping her throughout the time as we headed into trial and helping her with that voice uh, in doing the uh, forensic interviewing piece. Um, it was, um, it, you know, it, it was impactful for me to focus on that there was not much I could do to, you know, take away the tragedy that had happened, but I could be part of a, an incredible and supportive response to her as the victim, her parents, um, and give her that voice, but then support through the trial where ultimately we, we got a conviction in the case. Um, and then for me as a young agent to see the power of forensic science and how that gave her uh, her account, um, it, you know, validity, um, uh, reinforcement in the scientific evidence we could bring through to demonstrate that it, it happened just as she uh, was telling us. Um, is what drove me and pulled me toward uh, becoming a forensic science expert for the command myself. Um, and so, you know, our team worked through it. Again, I was I was blessed to be with the group uh, of agents and support folks that I that I was, uh, who were open to talking about it. Uh, you know, and and really, um, you know, being that family uh, at the unit level in dealing with something so tragic, uh, you know, but being open and honest with each other and how we were feeling about it and what we were doing. So uh, it really convinced me um, that I was right where I needed to be, um, that my chosen profession is something that uh, uh, where I could make a difference and maybe I couldn't take away the bad things, uh, but I could sure help people who had gone through them. Um, and I could very much help uh, society and those individuals with the accountability piece of it. What a powerful, powerful story to share in such a compassionate way, Terry. And it, I'm sure it's it's difficult um, to to remember these things and also to express them, but you do it so well and with with such beautiful articulation and, and care for those who were part of that um, horrific experience. A, a couple questions uh, for you. When you say that, um, you know, you were uh, capable of interviewing a child uh, and she was five years old, what, what special skills do you think are necessary uh, in order to do that kind of work that is a very unique type uh, of capability? Absolutely. And, it, and I tell you, it, it gave me such respect, Kat, for our professionals throughout the country, you know, who are involved in this with children for a living. Um, 
you know, the ability, because of course you're blending, uh, you know, empathy and care uh, for a child um, with the legalities that come with, um, you know, the protocols of how you arrive at, at allowing them to tell the story, allowing them to bring those facts forward, um, you know, and but doing so in a way that, you know, that demonstrates it is their account, not a not a matter of the interviewer leading, uh, you know, that that child or, or suggesting things to that child. Um, and, you know, and so, uh, you know, back at this time, I, you know, I don't. Uh, you know, not not a not a, a dig in, in any way. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we had a as great an appreciation as we do now for the skill that is required in doing that. Uh, and so, the certifications for us now in OSI, and I know across you know most other law enforcement agencies in the country, um, you know, is a significant degree of training to make sure that we do this in the right way and give them that voice. But then also, you know, think about doing that in a way, uh, you know, that after it's over, you know, while having to relive or recount what happened, you know, understanding the why, understanding how they are helping. Um, and so a lot of art involved, and of course, every child is different. You know, no two five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-olds are, at, you know, at the same level, um, and so it, it really, um, for those who can do it and do it well, uh, I applaud them uh, because I think it is one of the hardest things that we do uh, for some of the most vulnerable that we protect. Well, that was beautifully articulated, and I cannot imagine being the, the parent that has to also go through that with a child. That must be absolutely heart-wrenching. When, um, absolutely. When you... Yeah, when when you were uh, thinking about some of the things that you wanted to share in today's show, and I know that you had brought that up, I, I, I know there are other opportunities here for us to go deeper into the story, and, and maybe we will come back to that uh, at a later date. What I, what I want to continue to focus on here are these, turbulent times that we don't expect, and I know that given your role uh, as a special investigator uh, and as a special agent in OSI, that there were some other areas of uh, worldwide operations that you uh, were also involved with, and um, maybe you could share some of those, not that they're necessarily connected uh, to this atrocity. Uh, but just to demonstrate to the audience uh, who you are and how you have, as Matthew has so beautifully articulated, not only survived these experiences, but have thrived through them to help others do the same. And, and Kat, happy, happy to do that. You're right. I guess uh, I would I would fast forward from the, the mid-90s to the 2005-2006 time frame where you know, now in a, in a different role. Uh, so in, you know, in that, in that counterintelligence piece of what OSI does, uh, globally, um, you know, was already on a remote assignment forward, uh, with, uh, U.S. Central Command, uh, working in their forward headquarters in Qatar. 
uh, on matters related to counterintelligence and, and human intelligence. Um, and, and here again, to your point of, you know, not really, ex- you know, knowing what to expect the next day, um, you know, waking up to the news of just a, uh, you know, a massive earthquake uh, that occurred in, in Pakistan, uh, which sadly, uh, the, the mountainous region there is, um, uh, you know, um, uh, it, it, these, these are not scarce examples, but the 2005-2006 was, uh, was particularly uh, rough. Um, and so at that time, of course, we've got, you know, active conflict going on in Afghanistan, active conflict going on in Iraq. And, and day to day, that's what, you know, I was tracking along with uh, uh, other things going on throughout the Middle East and Central Asia. And then to have my boss bring me in and say, uh, Terry, need you to, you know, go home, put your, uh, you know, put your rucksack together and get ready to take a joint team uh, into Pakistan to provide the counterintelligence um, support to force protection uh, for these uh, U.S. medical teams going in as part of a joint task force uh, into Pakistan. Uh, and so just a, you know, again, here's another mix uh, that, that we as law enforcement, military, intelligence community professionals uh, really have to deal with in, in the changing and be exposed to things that, you know, you never thought you might be, uh, which was arriving in a country. Um, we were part of the relief effort. Of course, there were um, uh, non-governmental organizations uh, that were coming in from all over the world to do support as well. There were several of these organizations who were part of the extremist groups that we were concerned about and targeting who were actually there with us uh, doing some of the same, um, you know, outreach and support work. So a, a very interesting environment in which to work. And then, of course, our team uh, was doing the advance work to different locations as the medical teams were doing their outreach. So arriving at these locations where, you know, entire villages that had, you know, stood for, uh, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years, uh, had just been flattened. Um, and, you know, and unfortunately, uh, the few people who were there who had been injured and had longstanding injuries that, you know, had required treatment, quite frankly, weeks uh, before we got there. Um, so being exposed to this on a daily basis. Um, and so understanding there was the very real threat environment, there was the very real uh, reconnaissance effort we were trying to do to help the, the docs and medical staff understand what they needed to bring into an area, making sure it was secured with our uh, Pakistani military partners to do so. Uh, but then also, you know, offering up to these folks to, you know, to trust in us enough to come back to the medical facilities that the United States military had set up. Uh, for that treatment. And so here again, we find ourselves, you know, part uh, humanitarian peacekeeper, the other, you know, entrenched in security, uh, a very new team. I had Marines, I had soldiers, uh, I had uh, NCIS with us. And so, you know, just a lot of things going on in the circumstance um, where, again, you're really pushed outside of your comfort zone. You're really pushed to uh, you know, to, to act in the moment uh, with not as much time to reflect as, as you would as you would like. But I will tell you, those months on the ground were, were so rewarding. 
Um, I think, uh, you know, professionally from watching what the United States was was willing to do for another country uh, in a desperate time of need and people who so needed that support. Um, but in also, you know, seeing professionals come together and being willing to really, uh, as we do every day, you know, that willingness to put your life on the line uh, to carry through on something uh, that's so important. Um, uh, and then seeing, you know, the impact that that had on those parents with a child who was injured. Um, with those, uh, you know, families who had lost two-thirds of their family, um, and the, you know, the, the fact that you were one human being caring for another, um, it, it was, it was really special to be a part of it. It was a challenge. Uh, it was nerve wracking at times. Um, uh, but really taking stock with my team each evening of what we had seen, what we were doing, what we'd be doing the next day. Um, I gathered so much from that, from the strength of these other amazing people I got to work with. I tell you, General, what a couple of amazing stories and just uh, absorbing it on my end. Um, and I think, in, you know, as I'm reflecting throughout my career, just like this morning, Kat just looks at me, she's like, you are unbreakable. And I'm thinking to myself, what do you mean by I'm unbreakable? But what I think she meant is just the act of being fearless. Now, uh, I'm going to go a little bit more into that, but first I think we're going to take a break. Um, so keep on uh with your Fridays, everybody that's listening, and uh, we're excited to get back here for Strategies for Turbulent Times. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact and transcend magnusworks.com that's magnus w-o-r-x.com how can you be brilliant in the moment given the daily challenges you face at work and home how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses dr greenberg and dr nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple trusted evidence-based tips and tools they have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. 
Elevate your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to this Friday. We are always happy to have you with us, whether you're listening to this on demand. And I want to thank our audience for growing with us. Uh, we are well over 12,000 on-demand listeners. Uh, extraordinary uh, for us to, to hear that, to learn that from Voice America. We're so proud of all of you for wanting to be a better version of yourselves and joining us to do that. And we hope we're helping out, sending out the love there to our sponsors as well, MagnusWorks.com and the National Command and Staff College. As we went to commercial break, you know, we have been listening to your uh, very compelling stories today, Terry. Uh, you know, the sound of freedom, uh, taking care of those who cannot take care of themselves as an OSI commander, and now taking care of those in foreign lands that can also use help uh, taking care of themselves. And... Um, as we come to this last segment here, I, I, I think there's a couple things that I'd like Matthew to join in on because he does an amazing program nationally uh, for tactical operations audiences and business audiences alike that resonate with everything that you've been sharing today. And so, Matthew, I just want to give you an opportunity to share your perspective here. Well, I tell you, just like we are sharing with, uh, with the general during the break is that um, out of all the people that we've uh, interviewed and we've had some amazing special guests, um, but with the acronym that I've developed titled FEARLESS and what does each one of those letters mean, I think that each hit on pretty much every letter of that, of that um, acronym. So kind of go more into my thoughts. Um, you know, the story about the five-year-old that was uh, abducted from base housing that, uh, you know, the general was the uh, special special agent in charge of to uh, find her, fix the situation, and bring her home. Um, you know, one of the my, one of my first experiences with special operations is that uh, my team was assigned to be the QRF for uh, President Bush down in Panama City, Panama, um, and we linked up with the Secret Service. And I'm sitting there with a six foot six foot man. And uh, just kind of getting to know more about what Secret Service agents do as a real job. Not saying that they're agents. Being an agent is not a real job, but I quickly understood that they had regular jobs. And one of his, what his specific job was, was to do forensic um, science or do, do uh, forensics online of child, not only abduction, but also child exploitation. And I just recall just the emotional impact that it had on me as I can still vividly remember exactly where we were, what we were talking about, what I was learning about his particular job. Um, 
that he had to look at these images of these children being exploited and how crazy that was for me to have to know somebody that actually has to look at that and get through it. And he, I just recall him talking about, he used to cry every night. He couldn't sleep. The, the, the nightmares were happening, which I'm sure you've experienced as well there, General. Um, but how did he overcome that? So, you know, elevating your mindset, which is one of the ease in the acronym fearless, like you uh, so well uh, stated um, there, General, was that, you had to find that there was a greater good in what you were doing to help this individual out. But not only just this individual, but also those that were around you experiencing the same emotional drain of going through this situation. Um, the other E on fearless is emotions for success. And how do you identify those emotions instead of just looking at the negativity of the situation that you're in? But also, as you were talking about, you know, being in Pakistan during those earthquakes around you know, legitimately terrorist cells who are trying to do the same thing, probably to recruit new members that they were acting like they were going to provide humanitarian assistance, but also they were a direct threat to yourself and your, your men and women that were around you. Um, the alignment goals and beliefs is the A, you know, and that's why we come into the military and we get that camaraderie because we start building the alignment of those goals and beliefs, and that's how we become, you know, overall... Um, we conquer that fear. And courage is not the lack of fear. However, it is the acknowledgement that there's something greater than fear itself. And I love that quote because it truly enables us to seize our discomfort, not only just because of that statement and that belief, but also with the camaraderie of, with those people that are around us. And then the last one I want to hit on is the right focus, right control, and, you know, like I share with a lot of audiences, that people look at us, especially special operators, um, you know, whatever branch you're from, but they think that we lack fear. It's not that we lack fear. It's just that we find the right focus, right control to execute what God has put us on, the, on this planet to do. So I am breathless at the moment. Uh, both of you uh, are just tremendous human beings, and I'm sure there's some resonance here, not only between the two of you, Terry and, and Matthew, but that audience that's listening. And that's what we're all about here. And Terry, maybe talk a little bit about your new organization. You're the founder and president of uh, Ballard Global Security Consulting, LLC. What are you doing and how can people learn more about you? Absolutely. So, no, thank, thanks for the opportunity. So I, I'll tell you, uh, you know, after retiring, um, it, you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, Matt, you have this, you know, the same experience of being a part of an incredible community of just wonderful people. Um, you know, it's a little daunting, uh, you know, when you, when you, you know, hang up the equipment and, you know, it, it's time to depart and leave that. Um, but yet, you know, really waking up every day, even on the worst days, uh, you know, loving what you did. Um, and so for me, it, it, you know, it really came down to, okay, what is, you know, how do I, how do I take these experiences, these, these hard experiences that helped, uh, you know, shape me and mold me and, um, you, you know, how do I use these, uh, to help other people? So, 
really, you know, that was the nexus for deciding that, hey, I, you know, I, I want to, you know, remain in the space. I want to remain in the, you know, federal law enforcement, intelligence community, the international scale or, or you know, on an international platform um, and, you know, be able to help others uh, with these with these chances, uh, be able to help others you know, drive through some of these same unforeseen issues or help them better prepare for the unforeseen. And so that was really the nexus for starting the business. Um, and, you know, I've enjoyed it uh, as just as with my OSI career. Uh, there are things that I am doing with clients now that I <laughs> I, I did not see coming, um, you know, were not part of the initial charter. But that's what I think I've come to love and understand about myself is, you know, I like that uh, that early morning or late evening phone call with a very unique set of circumstances, uh, you know, perhaps under a time crunch uh, and, you know, now being at a point that hopefully I can provide counsel uh, to, you know, corporate entities, to government entities, to, uh, you know, international and foreign partners. Um, on, you know, maybe not how to take care of any one circumstance because we just can't see it coming all the time, but things that they can do to be ready, things that they can do to be constantly assessing the threats around them, uh, to identify risk and mitigate that to the absolute degree possible, and then to have themselves ready uh, for emergency and crisis management issues uh, when inevitably we're going to face them. Um, you know, maybe on a small scale, maybe on a large scale, uh, but we all encounter these. So helping them uh, to be ready from a policy standpoint, you know, policy standpoint, per procedural standpoint, but also from a, you know, a, a mental resiliency and toughness perspective. So, uh, so far, so good. I've enjoyed the work um, and, uh, you know, no doubt we'll continue to do that and enjoy the fact that I, too, get those late night and early morning phone calls with very unique circumstances. I tell you, I, I, I'd be interested to hear more of uh, those phone calls, not necessarily specifics on getting into the weeds of other people's, um, you know, the, the stuff that they're looking at, but also just to kind of see, you know, how you remarkably uh, found a niche to give back like you have for so many years. And I, I'm going to, you know, kind of segue off of that giving back because it's been a service member and uh, meeting up with law enforcement throughout the nation as well since I've been retired. You know, it, can you describe um, to the audience on what are some positive ways to, you know, as being a service member, we always look at everybody else. We always put everybody else before ourselves. And what are, yeah. what are, what are a couple key things that we can share with the audience on what you've learned to, to focus on yourself being a service member instead of just constantly doing stuff for everybody else. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, I think, Matt, that's, that's really hard for us. And I think for those of us, you know, early in the, in the career, especially from, you know, these very specialized communities like you were a part of, like I was a part of, I think it's something that we have to learn over time. Well, and I would say maybe our generation, had to learn over time, uh, meaning, it, you know, I poured myself into that work uh, when I was young, you know, my lieutenant days, my 
my captain days, it, you know, it was all about the the thrill of the job and the, the, the ability to help other people, the ability to, you know, br- really bring, you know, bad offenders in every shape, form or fashion, you know, to accountability uh, or to neutralize the threat that they pose to the force. And, you know, and I think, you know, I, I early on could have done a better job of making sure that I also, you know, gave back on the family front, because by doing that, I think you are repaying yourself. I think you are, uh, you know, doing more along those lines. And I have been very proud to watch the law enforcement community in the United States, the intelligence community in the United States, and more specifically for me, OSI, you know, begin to learn, um, I think, initially how to respond and help people who were, were you know, working through these these very uh, tough cases, tough issues, especially like you referred to, um, you know, with your Secret Service agent, um, you know, having to view some of these materials. Uh, when I was coming up as a forensic science specialist, it was maybe, you know, 10 images, 100 images. But now think about our agents and support folks today who have to go through gigabytes and terabytes of that information. So I think we've gotten better about responding to, but now I would say we're finally getting ourselves into the area of, hey, you do need to be physically ready. You do need to be tactically proficient for this, but you also need to constantly be checking the engine, if you will, for your mental health and your resiliency. Um, And I think for me, that was a path of time. It was a path of having people who cared for me Um, you know, say, hey, slow down, take a break, Um, you know, make sure when you're home, you're actually home uh, and and working through that. And I would never say I got perfect at it, but I got better at it. Um, And now looking back, I think. Yeah, we are delighted. We're getting ready to come to the close of our show today. Uh, Overly delighted to have had you today and love your inspiring message to those who are listening and as unfortunately the professional interrupter, I, I just need to uh, close this out. But I do want to mention a couple things that can help our audience. At our host page, if you go to show links, you'll see the National Command and Staff College webinars. It's a series of free webinars for anybody and everybody to go in there on stress, on mindset, on sleep, on any subject that would be helpful. And on the note that you just provided to us, Terry, MagnusWorks.com is a, a leading-edge handheld platform that you can use in the privacy of whatever space you're in to provide support for you and your team. It is that time. we got to say goodbye. Uh, Terry, we love our audience. We love you for being with us and helping us out here today with your amazing stories. And we're going to have you back because you have a couple more powerful stories. Uh, so audience, look forward to part two of Sound of Freedom. And uh, Matthew, any final words? No, I, th- I really enjoyed this uh, conversation. I'm looking, I'm looking very much forward to part two. So have a great weekend, everybody, and especially you too there, General. And, uh, Focus on being in the being. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Strategies for Turbulent Times. 
We hope Dr. Kat and Captain Matt were able to help you create a plan or simply steer clear of the unknown with ways to overcome challenges in your own life. Until next time, be brilliant and stay fearless. Fearless.